I'd like to acknowledge that this podcast is being recorded on the unceded traditional territories of the Musqueam, Squamish and Tsleil-Waututh peoples. Welcome back to the Bob Party, guys. How are we all doing? Um, I hope you've all had a wonderful weekend. Weather update, it's super cold and super rainy here today, which is the quickest turnaround ever. Just a Sunday or so ago, it 110% felt like pumpkin spice latte season. Um, and now it's just doom and gloom again. We, we recently had Thanksgiving, as you guys know, and for those of you following along, Canadian Thanksgiving happens in early October, completely separate from American Thanksgiving, um, and it's officially fall, or autumn, as I used to call it. Um, the trees are looking so IG-worthy, and the streets are littered with leaves, um, oranges and browns and yellows and reds, and even greens, um, all in the mix, all on the trees or falling to the ground, and it's such a nice season, um, except for today, but um, with fall comes all of the pumpkins and all of the pumpkin spice lattes. And of course, if you're on this side of the globe, Halloween. Now, over the years, I can confirm that Halloween has become somewhat more of a thing in Oz. Um, Not to the same degree as it is here, of course, but there are definitely Halloween-themed events and parties happening over there. And if you're a young family out in the new burbs um, and pretty new estates, then there are children who drag their parents out to go trick-or-treating. Or maybe it's the parents that dress the kids up and drag them to go out trick-or-treating. I don't know. Um, But I know that the country is divided with their opinions on this particular American holiday. Um, However, I will say that being over here and seeing the houses decorated with Halloween, ghosts and witches and graveyards, it's kind of cool. So with spooky season upon us, I thought it would be fitting to dedicate this episode to a kind of scary time in my life. Well, not scary, more like uncertain, Um, even more so than COVID, given how unreliable the Canadian government website um, and the process in general is over here. So as you all already know, pre-COVID, I made the decision to traipse halfway across the world and somewhat settle in Canada. Now, I did have other plans, I did only plan to be here for six months, but then um, I felt that that wasn't enough and I wanted to extend my stay to about a year and then maybe check out Ontario for a year as well. Um, So go from west to east. Um, The great thing was I had a two-year visa in my back pocket, but the bad thing was even though COVID kind of dampened the experience, um, the visa wasn't going to be granted an extension even though we were in lockdown Um, and unable to experience a lot of the things that I had originally planned. Anyway, I want to fast forward a little bit to the end of 2020. Um, By this time, we were actually pretty open. Um, Well, businesses were open with the right protocols in place. Um, And we were just about to experience another wave of COVID. Uh, But back to my point, By this time, I actually had a pretty stable job um, and I was dating, I am dating my current partner, Adam James. So naturally, my plans were beginning to change slightly. 
I was one year into my visa and having been told that the process to apply for PR was quite lengthy um, and quite tedious and it was definitely going to be even further prolonged by COVID, I started putting my papers together. For those of you who might not already know, PR is short for permanent residency. Um, And with this status in the country, you're basically a citizen without the right to vote. So I believe Australia has a PR process of its own as well. Um, From what I've read or researched, um, it is a lot more expensive. Um, I don't know if it's as tedious, but definitely a lot more spenny. Um, But with a PR status, you're still a citizen of your home country, but you're able to continue working and living here in Canada. And for those who are interested, um, a really great resource I used throughout the process uh, for answers or for research was actually Facebook. Um, I became a member of groups like Aussies in Vancouver and PR Process Australia, New Zealand, uh, whichever, to Canada. Um, both of these groups were super, super helpful. Uh, most of their members were either searching for the same thing or same information that I was or had actually already gone through the process themselves um, and were happy to help uh, any newcomers to the country. So I highly recommend this group um, if you are starting your process. One of the very first things I did was actually set up a consult with an immigration consultant um, or a lawyer. And this did cost me a little bit of money. I think it might have been maybe $100 or so. And they provided me with a high level overview of the process and um, actually outlined what documents I would need to proceed. Um, Of course, I just want to preface, guys, that all of the information I'm sharing today is based on my own journey and that there are a number of other pathways, different pathways to achieve your PR. My pathway or stream was called Express Entry. Um, Now, to be eligible to apply for this pathway, I needed to meet a certain criteria uh, to attain a certain number of points. So, It is a points-based system and you are definitely at an advantage the more points you have. Um, These points come from things like your education, your work history, how much money you have saved in the bank for a rainy day. I think that's actually what got me across the line. Um, Your driver's license status, your work experience in Canada. It's a combination of a number of different things and basically you tally up the points that you acquire through all of these things and then you have to wait um, to even be invited to apply for a spot. Now it sounds simple but the process, I think I've said it about 10 times by now, it's so tedious. The first thing I will advise you all to do is actually to open up an Excel sheet or a Google Sheets and create yourself a tracker and trust me it sounds a little bit nerdy um, and like another hassle, but it it really saved my life. So after having that um, initial meeting with the immigration consultant, I began gathering my documents. Um, It was late 2020 by this point, so I had just been here for over a year. Um, I'm not going to pretend like the the fear of how long this process was going to take was definitely playing in the back of my mind. 
And fun fact, the government of Canada require physical and certified copies of all of your documents. So an emailed version is not sufficient. Um, snail mail it was. All right, guys. Um, are you guys ready to go on this journey with me? Um, the journey of collecting all of my documents. Um, all right. Strap yourselves in because uh, there's a lot of them. For my degree, I had to reach out to RMIT, so this is the university that I went to, um, to not only provide me with a copy of my bachelor's, but also have it certified through an external education body called WES, that's W-E-S, aka World Education Services. Um, you didn't have to go with this one, I kind of just picked this one because I could see that it was... Um, legit and that a lot of people had used it before so uh, I decided to go with them. Um, my bachelor degree in business management from RMIT was equivalent to a three-year degree over here in Canada. Um, to get this certified it cost me a couple of hundred dollars um, and it did take a couple of weeks to arrive so uh, when it did I ticked this one off the list. Next I had to get a national police check done you know, just to make sure that I wasn't a criminal. Um, and I had to get this sent over via mail as well. Um, and mind you, there are a number of these that you can get done. All of them are different too. So please check the guidelines for your country um, if you are required to collect a police check. Um, and if you are going to do that, uh, that you're requesting the right one. Um, anyway, this cost me about $50 um, and almost didn't arrive because they actually sent it to my Melbourne address. So mum had to send it over. Um, so when that arrived, I could tick this one off the list too. Right, that's two out of the way. The next one was a big ask. I had to collect all of my payslips from every job I'd had prior to moving to Vancouver that was directly related to my degree or considered as part of my professional career. I know, right? Um, I'd worked my entire life and honestly, I was just so lucky that the companies I had worked for were quite big organizations with big HR departments um, and that they probably had similar requests in the past. Um, but imagine if I'd worked for small boutique firms or companies that were no longer even existing. Oh, like what a headache. But Anyway, not only did I need all of my payslips from my time with these companies, but I also needed um, a letter of employment to confirm that not only did I work there, but they needed to, or the government, Canadian government, needed to know uh, what my responsibilities were in my role or roles. Honestly, it felt so archaic for me. Um, it, like in my application for PR via Express Entry, I needed to select an area of expertise. So for me, this was HR. And with this um, comes what's called an NOC code or a NOC code, um, which is your National Occupational Classification. Now, there are sites online that can help you determine where you'd fall under if you guys need the help. But being in HR, these letters of employment from my pre previous workplaces needed to confirm that my duties were in line with those listed in the in this particular NOC code. I really hope I'm making sense here. Um, maybe to help, I'll, I'll use mine as an example. So 
Throughout my working life, I'd worked mainly in HR departments within organizations. So my NOC code was directly related to HR roles. Um, the confirmation of employment letters from my previous workplaces needed to confirm the dates that I worked for them, um, my compensation and my benefits, my roles if I held multiple throughout my time with them, and my responsibilities. Um, and it needed to be signed off from a direct manager or HR rep. Attaining these was probably one of the stickiest parts of the entire process. Um, so anyways, one by one, I reached out to my last three employers and collected my confirmation of employment letters, um, plus all of my payslips. What a drag. Anyways, um, when these all arrived one by one, I ticked these off the list. Another criteria for the express entry stream was having one year's worth of Canadian work experience. Luckily, this was coming up for me. Um, I'd been in my role for almost a year, but even luckier for me was the fact that my time at the resort plus the lodge um, over the summer and the winter um, actually counted towards this too. So I went ahead and reached out to my direct supervisors during my time um, at the resort and at the lodge and had confirmation of employment letters drafted and signed and sent along with all of my payslips. And then I ticked this one off the list too. Last thing I needed was a copy of my birth certificate, my Australian citizenship certificate, and um, copies of any old passports that I may have had. Um, luckily, mum actually had all of these. Such a surprise. Um, but she was just as slow to get back to me as my previous employers. Um, anyway, thanks mum. I eventually got these copies that I needed, um, so I was able to tick these off the list too. I gotta say, by this point, a couple of months had actually gone past. It was 2021 and I was finally starting to feel ready to start my application. Now, if you guys remember, in my very first episode, I shared with you all the link that I used for my working visa in Canada. That is the same one I used for my PR application. So same government website, same uh, login details. It's kind of like your profile for when you're here. So I logged in and got that process started. Pretty standard collection of information, I'd say, um, just as if I had I was maybe signing up to Instagram or Facebook or something. Um, you need your name, your date of birth, etc., etc. But what I wasn't prepared for was having to list all of my residential addresses over the last ten years. On top of that, I also had to list all the places that I had travelled to over the last 10 years. Um, so when I say tedious, this kind of is what I was talking about. Um, this one took me forever. And I hope that you can all understand now why I said create an Excel spreadsheet to track all of these. I had been to 29 different countries, a couple more states, a couple more airports as points of entry as well. And this bloody application form was asking for every port of entry I had gone through over the last 10 years. I felt like I was a PI for myself. I was looking through the stamps in my passport. I was going through emails from Expedia and from Flight Center um, to see if I had taken flights anywhere else that I might have forgotten about. Layovers were required. So even if I didn't stay in Royal Brunei for more than a day, it was to be included still as a port of entry. 
having to do this actually took me back to the day I crossed the US border for the first time. Um, I felt like the official for once. Um, The official at the gate literally rolled his eyes, flicking through the pages of my passport to find a blank page. And I swear, he, he muttered something like, Aussies, as he rolled his eyes and like under his breath, as he shook his head. Mate, I'm proud of having traveled so much. So don't you go making me feel bad about that, okay? Fun fact, actually, not so fun fact. It's kind of more like a bizarro thing that I've learned here is that not all Americans, um, even Canadians actually, but predominantly Americans, not all of them own a passport. Isn't that wild? Um I think I've just been surrounded by so many friends and family who travel every every year as as part of your life. Um, and I've been surrounded by this my entire life that I didn't even think um, that not everyone owned a passport. It was just so weird to me. But then again, I guess um, being the United States, you, you don't need a passport to travel in between, kind of like how it is for us in Oz. Um, so it makes sense that a lot of them don't actually own a passport. But anyways, um, figuring out where I had traveled to over the last decade was actually kind of fun um, in the end, even though it was kind of like a connect the dots. Um, but it did trigger me to set my 30th country before 30 goal. So yeah, spoiler alert, I did it. I went to Mexico this year. Mexico, you beautiful, beautiful place. Definitely will have to return. Um, But yeah, I added to my list and made it to 30. Um, So I filled out all my addresses over the past 10 years. Um, We'll admit, had to have mum help me out with this one. Um, And I filled out all the countries I'd visited over the past 10 years as well. Um, And then I was requested to take a medical exam, which I booked because you did have to do them in person. Now, this cost me about $350. Um, Got that done and added this to my application. Note, this did take a couple of weeks. Um, And then I was also requested to submit a passport photo to my application. Um, This one you can get done at any accepted pharmacy or shopper's drug mart. I think I got mine done at London Drugs for about $20 Um, and they do it quite instantly as well. I don't think you had to to book a time slot, maybe back in the COVID times. Um, But yeah, I don't think think, uh, an appointment was necessary. Um, Anyway, I then had to enter in all my work history with the relative NOC codes um, and attached all the documents that I had collected to support um, these claims that I'd worked in these places. So those would have been the payslips and the confirmation um, of employment letters, things like that. Um, I attached my certified bachelor's degree to support the fact that I was working in a field related to my academic studies. And then I submitted my police check to prove that I wasn't a criminal and Canada was getting only one of the best. (laughs) Um, Anyways, after all of that, another month or so had gone by and I had enough points to be invited once the next draw was announced. Except that I missed that draw. And shockingly, the points required were the lowest they'd ever been. I think it was at 70. Um, 
So to put things into perspective, my score was 390 or 490 or something, but I missed the cutoff, um, aka I did not submit my application on time to be invited. And safe to say, I was devo, but also had to remind myself at this point that draws happened every other week and I just had to hope that the next one was also a low requirement or that I had a high enough score to kind of be invited to, to apply. Um, anyway, but just so you guys know, 70 was unheard of. It was killing me to wait though. Um, but sure enough, after a couple of weeks, um, the express entry was drawn again and I was finally invited to submit my application. Done. Or so I thought. Um, after checking and double checking and triple checking my entire application prior to submitting and then receiving the your application has been submitted message I felt like I could breathe again even for a short while but I was nearing my two-year mark and to be honest it was pretty dreadful thinking it was pretty dreadful feeling but I I had my eye on my on the status of my application almost every day now And then I received a letter, a letter online to say that my application had been denied. I reread the letter. Denied. I couldn't believe it. I read it over and over and it said I had uploaded an incorrect supporting document. I was bloody frazzled and I didn't even know where to begin because as I've said many a time before, Canada does not make it easy for you. They couldn't even bloody specify what I'd done wrong except for incorrect paperwork. Yeah, but which one? In my mind, I was thinking, you couldn't have just called me to let me know what document was missing or what document needed fixing or what which one hadn't been uploaded correctly. You had to deny me and put me through the entire process again. But anyway, I jumped online and I tried so hard to figure it out. I might have even been crying at this point. And in my haste, I posted about my situation uh, online in the PR process group on Facebook. And one of the admins was quick, quick enough to jump on my question, which was, to this day, I'm super grateful for. Um, they asked me where I was from and if I was either from Queensland or Victoria, that Canada actually required a driving history attached to the police report for these two states. I was fucking flabbergasted. Where did it say that? Why was it only these two states that that rule applied to? What made Queensland and Victoria the outliers? Anyways, before I had even let the dust settle, I'd gone onto Vic Roads and I'd ordered that paper statement of my driver's history record um, and I'd ordered it to be sent to my Vancouver address, not making the same mistake I did for my police report. Um, and just for safe measure, I reread the police check requirements and ordered the new version of the statement I had previously ordered. One, because um, it's only valid for maybe three or six months after you receive it. And two, a new version had actually been, um, yeah, it had been implemented. Like it, the version that I had had been refreshed. So just for safe measure, I ordered another police check as well. 
Side note, um, because I mentioned the police check being refreshed, um, some of the documents do change now and again, um, or they do expire. Um, your certified docs, for example, depending on which one they are, sometimes have an expiry date on them. For example, the WES certified degree, um, degree, sorry, I believe might be valid for about three years. But the police certificate, as I mentioned, might have been um, valid for only six months. So because the process had taken so long and I'd collected documents um, months prior to submitting my application, I just collected new versions just in case. And yes, I paid to get them done again. And so I was back in the pool of applicants waiting to be invited to apply for their PR. I was so anxious poor Adam James for having to deal with me at that time. But you know what? I I just wasn't ready to leave. Um, I needed more time. And I think I had about four months left on my working visa at this point. Um, So two to three weeks go by and finally the gates open. I got the invite to apply and I sped through the application forms this time thank you to my spreadsheet and a little thing I like to call copy and paste. So Again, thank me later for that little tip. Um, (laughs) Submitted and paid for, which, by the way, I had to repay for, which meant I was now out of pocket about three grand um, because my initial payment was in the process of being refunded. Um, So, yeah, they, they do refund your application fee if you're denied, but this did take up to eight weeks. Anyway, all submitted. And then I was in the no news is good news phase. I heard nothing for weeks, which I took to mean that I had not been denied, um, given how quickly they were to deny me the first time. However, in this time, I also had to submit another application separate to my PR um, for what's called a BOWP, which is a Bridging Open Work Permit, um, which essentially meant that I'd be on an implied status. eligible to work but not on a work visa because I was waiting for the outcome of my PR application. So this process was a lot shorter um, and a lot easier but it still cost me about $400. Anyway, three months go by and I finally get the email. Congratulations, you are now a permanent resident of Canada. I was elated But in a non-climactic sort of way, um, it was more like the biggest breath sigh of relief. Um, It was over. I was officially a Canadian permanent resident and I could begin building foundations here and settling here and just not have to worry about getting kicked out, basically. After the initial shock, I think um, Adam James and I did end up celebrating my new status uh, over a nice dinner. but what a journey. I, I got my photo taken for my card. So you do get a physical PR card to carry around with you. Um, so I got my photo taken for that. And I was now just waiting to get the physical evidence that I was legally allowed to be here. So all in all, it took me about three months. Um, that's from submitting my second attempt. Uh, overall, thanks to uh, that unfortunate oversight, which to be fair, is mentioned nowhere. Um, Also, why discriminate against Queenslanders and Victorians is the real question here. Um, Anyway, overall, the process personally took me about eight months. And luckily, 
my application uh, ended up landing on the desk of somebody lovely at the Canadian government who gave me that stamp of approval. Um, now I say this because I know a lot of people who have been in the process for much longer than I was um, and they do, like everybody says, that it really just depends on whose desk it lands on um, and whether or not they're having a bad day. But I hope this has helped at least one person interested in finally submitting their PR application um, from Australia. I would be super happy to help any of you out if you're feeling a little bit overwhelmed. Um, I do know little bits and pieces uh, about other uh, processes as well, not just the express entry. Um, so just head over to the Bob Potty and slide into my DMs if you need some help. Um, yeah. So that's the PR process or the express entry PR process. Scary, right? <laughs> Happy Halloween, everyone. Um, I'd actually love to know what you're all dressing up as this year. I, I might go ahead and post a couple pics um, of who or what I've decided I'm going to be. Um, a couple of girls and I actually went to uh, a light up pumpkin patch this weekend, which was super dope. So I might share some of those shots as well. Um, yeah, head over to the to, either, to the IG to see more of that. Um, anyways, find me at the Bob Potty on all socials. I'll see you all next Tuesday. Please remember to be kind and to be curious. Um, and maybe try a pumpkin spice latte this week. Bye, y'all. Ciao for now. Mwah.